The call on the ice stands. We got a goal. I'm loving these kids. I want to adopt them. How's that? I want to clean them up and raise them as my own. What's up, Squid Squad? You're listening to the Squid Pod. I'm Dan Morris. This is my brother, Jeremy. How's it going, eh? And welcome to episode 35, the Joey Decord episode. Woo! I, I love Joey favorite Decord. goalie. That's yeah. <laughs> this year, I mean, maybe... <laughs> I mean, he's like the he's like the the backup quarterback that like never plays for you. Like when you're, well, well, when you don't have like a Russell Wilson type quarterback, you know, everyone's always like cheering for the backup to come in when the offense struggles. Joey Decor is that guy. The goaltending struggled, and Joey Decor is killing it in Charlotte. So he's our he's our folk hero goalie up here. <laughs> Shout out Joey Decor. Yeah, All right. right. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at the Squid Pod. Uh, Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and more. Anyways, Jeremy, we've had a decent run, uh, running games here for the Kraken. And yeah, quite an eventful week, weekend, 10 days since we last recorded. Because the trade yeah. deadline just passed. For it one. sure did. For one small thing. Uh, another thing, a big name involved in that. Also had a very big celebration. That was Mark Giordano. Yeah. Before we, before we get into his trade, he played – he. Got his thousand game ceremony uh, when the Kraken came home and hosted the Tampa Bay Lightning. Didn't get the win. He didn't get to play, but they did have a ceremony. His family was there, and it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And he's Were such a hockey that guy that. What well, I was at that game, and he's such yeah. a hockey guy that he uh, he 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 took warm ups and was in full gear for this. For, <laughs> like I, which I just was like, I love that dude. I just knowing had, full like, well he wasn't going to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh when the when when whoever wins the cup at the end of the year, there's always like all the like the, the guys that put all their gear on that yeah. are like healthy scratches and like injured, and there's like six guys that come onto the ice in their gear like after like the game. But anyway, no, it was it was super cool, man. Uh, I've seen stuff like that on TV before, so just one another thing to check off the bucket list of seeing live of just you know they give you a silver stick, they give the kids a silver stick, like they the NHL. It's one of the few things they actually do a pretty good job of. Or the teams, I don't know who's in charge of it, but uh, they had his dad narrate a video um that was pretty emotional uh but it was you know it it was cool it was cool to see a guy that like you're that i'm super that we're all super familiar with our first captain team history and everyone kind of knew he was getting traded so we all kind of knew he had played his last game so it was all kind of a nice send-off in a way too you know was able to say like a they treated it almost like it was almost like a thank you video as well as like a congratulations so um i thought the team did an excellent job of it and uh we wish you all the best and we'll we'll get to him in in a little bit um, the rest of the rest of his story, but we also uh, we've also seen Carson Kuhlman come back in the lineup. Uh, I did hear him, didn't he say he did? It's the it's the NHL, so they're very vague. But he said he had to have surgery. Yes, I did hear that too. Couldn't yeah, have been that uh, in depth of surgery or severe. No, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, you know, maybe you call this a procedure. <laughs> I don't know, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he didn't miss. Too, well, he he was out for a little bit, but he was back, so it's good to see him back out there. Because I he, he was a waiver claim, but I think they really like him, and I really like watching him. So, yeah, uh, good to get, good to get him back before the end of the year to get a few more games before the off season. Yeah, we've seen some guys come come and go on waivers, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like he is one they more were planning on 
staying for a little bit and giving a good look at. So I think yeah. he'll get a, a good chance now that he's here post deadline. Um, and he'll be, he'll be one of the regulars that they can really, that they're really going to give a strong look at. So he's, he's looked just as fast as he come back. So that, that's good to see. I know that's a big part of his game. Um, he hasn't shied away from getting right back into the physical play. So it's been good to see him back in the lineup. But yeah, since we, since we recorded last, before we get to the trades, the teams won the red hot Seattle crack can have won three of their last four games. That's right. They had a, uh, a great shootout win against Montreal, lost mm-hmm. to Tampa Bay, uh, but then a couple comeback <laughs> wins against yeah. the, the Red Wings and the Coyotes. So they finally was... beat they finally beat the Coyotes. I'm so they finally beat I the not, Coyotes. Thank I did God. not want to go 0 three against the Coyotes. <laughs> no, thank God they beat the Coyotes. But dude, just the that. the the dominant way they played against Detroit and Arizona, they uh... yeah, they looked really good. Yeah, they they looked really good, and I I thought the what was impressive about the the shootout in Montreal when like they're at the bottom of the standings like we are, but they have turned it around as of late since firing yes. and, hire, and, and hiring a new head coach. Um, it was their first game at full capacity since pre COVID, so there was a like a crazy crowd. It was the end of a five game road trip, which we had lost each of the first four games on. So just the resiliency of the team to bear down and uh, and just fight scratch claw and end up we you know winning a shootout where group our angry grew after getting upset in overtime yeah let a goal and seven rounds of shootout that was that was fun to see oh that was great he got real angry at the end of that third period and you could just see i was like oh he's not he's not gonna lose this game he yeah fuses and sure shit man he, yeah he looked excellent in the shootout yeah and he looked he's honestly he's looked good in each of these four games honest like the the tampa bay one we got off to a good start the first like five minutes and then it was kind of obvious, like, oh, it's the two-time defending champs, and they are just a lot better hockey team than we are. Uh, yeah. My goodness, it was, it was impressive do, to right? watch them, 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 them play. So uh, something to aspire to. But you know, I don't put anything on Gru in that one. That one we just got, we were no. just outmatched. But uh, but Detroit came to town and they looked a little sluggish, and we took full advantage. We jumped all over them and didn't let yeah. up all game. And it was so frustrating to be down two nothing after two periods. But the way they came out and got. For a four goal third period was just it was it was I was awesome and Arizona same thing to to dominate go down but then immediately just answer crazy back and forth goals in the second yeah. period and then hold on for a win was uh oh it was, it was a breath it was a breath of fresh air <laughs> it really was they are a resilient hockey team and they are still putting in the effort which you love to see for a team that's very clearly out of a playoff spot and if anything. Mm-hmm should lose games to try and get better draft position. But, you know, the players don't think that way. The players always want to win, and it's good to see them actually still going out and, and winning, you know? Yeah. They, yeah. You, you can see them work hard, I, I feel like, which is which is nice. It's fun to yeah. – makes it, makes it more fun to turn on the games. Yeah, and for any for any fans out there that might be upset about the odds of getting the first pick or whatever and yeah. Shane Wright and this and that, like, first off, like, come on, what kind of a fan – it's no, it's no way to be a fan to root for your team to actually lose the game you're watching. I hate it, yeah. But, but also, in hockey, like, they give every team that doesn't make the playoffs get some sort of odds. So even your best odds are they're, like, 20-something. Like they're very low. I don't even think they're that high. I don't even think they are in hockey. Yeah, like, they, they're they they're much lower than the NBA. Uh, you, yeah, you look it up. I'm it's, looking it's, it up. It's, it's not even enough, in my opinion. More times than not, it's not the team with the best odds. It's not even enough to really – be concerned about it doesn't i don't know it doesn't make it's a difference the, i guess the, what i'm saying the worst we moved team up in the last NHL, year from three to two yeah the worst team in the nhl has 16.6 percent chance at the first pick i mean 16, 16. Yeah. 
So it's just so, it's just what is what is like second what is second place? Twelve. Or second worst. And the Kraken are currently in, in third at ten point nine percent. So I mean 10, 12, 16, like it's just it's yeah. my point is is don't don't focus too much on that. Like, oh no, they're gonna you know it, yeah. it is what it is. The the lottery balls will fall the way they do. And uh, Connor Bedard is next season anyway. So. <laughs> um, exactly. But no, it's been fun to see us win three or four. Uh, it's been fun to see the team get through the trade deadline. I think now you could see us, you know, you, you'll feel a sense of relief around the group knowing this is the group to finish the season with now. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think that, that you could, you could kind of feel that in, in Arizona. Um, but, but the trade deadline did happen, Dan. Yeah, and we should get into that. <laughs> quite active. Extremely. Honestly, I think they were more active than I expected them to be. I expected yeah. I expected a lot, but this was they really they they, they had a fire sale. Uh started yeah. started a week, what, a week before uh the actual deadline when they traded Cali Yarncroke. The boy boy. I miss mm-hmm. him, but uh they got a really good return on him, I thought. I didn't think he would fetch a second round pick, a third round pick, and a seventh. I, yeah. I mean, I love the guy, but I don't think you'd get a two and a three out of that. What did you think yeah. of that one? I agree 100%. We retained yeah. 50% of his salary, but he's only, only a $2 million, $2 million year player. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and we're already over halfway through the year. I mean, that's just a couple hundred grand. It's it's no big deal. So I thought that was an absolute steal for us. Callie Yarncroft's a great player, and he's a such a good He's he's a playoff type player. His game is just translates to playoff hockey so well. So yeah. I think he's a great pickup for Calgary. Um, I had no idea his uh, his cousin plays on Calgary, and yeah. he, they also grew up in the same uh, town as Jacob Markstrom, Elias uh, Lindholm. Right? Elias Lindholm. Yeah. So they apparently all grew up and they're around the same age, and they played hockey growing up together. So it's pretty amazing that there's three guys on that team uh, from a town of I, I saw seventy five thousand in Sweden playing for the Flames. They're about to go on a playoff run. So. <laughs> Uh, good reason to to, to, cheer, to cheer for them um, if yeah. you're looking for another team come come playoff season. But yeah, that that was a I thought that was a great move by Rofran to uh to to start off the the deadline and sort of show he's you know if you if the right deal comes you know he's he's ready to take it but he's also looking yeah. for a lot. After that, we then got to the night before deadline, maybe two nights yeah. before Friday, Sunday was Saturday, Sunday, the weekend, it was the Sunday. whole weekend. The whole weekend it kind of it kind of popped off. Um, Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell were traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and in return we got Toronto's second round draft pick this year, their second round draft pick next year, and their third round draft pick the year after. And we retained fifty percent of Geo's remaining salary. So this one upset a lot of fans. I think I think a lot of people were were very complimentary of the Toronto side of this trade. Dan, what were your your thoughts on this one? Yeah, uh, I was hoping they could somehow get a first round pick out of this uh, i think a lot of the fans were too especially when they saw ben Chirot go for a first round pick plus more um but and so the initial reaction especially when i the first things you see reported is giordano and blackwell going i'm like oh well they must have got the first round pick then if they also threw in and like Toronto said fine but you have to give us colin blackwell too or something you know that was that was my thought process so then to not see the first round pick come back was a little disappointing um in the day sense, I think it's fine. I think, you know, they're, I, I think Toronto was always going to be the destination, right? They tried to do, they tried to do right by the players. I think it's important to do that, uh, especially in your first year in the league. 
uh, I remember Ron Francis came out and said after the deadline that four of the six players they traded landed on a team that was their first choice if they were to be traded. So it's, it's, it's cool to see. And I think when you don't really have much of a bidding war and Toronto is already almost out of draft picks this year uh, and was really stubborn about giving up their first round pick, I think taking two seconds and getting a third, it's fine. Yeah, I would, I would say that's a good assessment. Um, I think I understood at the time looking at the trade by itself being underwhelmed, but I think when you yeah. now can look at it as a whole as the, the, the deadline, it's, it, it's easier to, to understand. And I also, that was my, my first reaction was what you just said. I think you nailed it on the head is I just thought, well, you know, as a first year team, it, it, it's a small thing and it's not like you're going to specifically sign a player because of it or anything like that, but you're, you're, it's, it's, there's an old school mentality in hockey. A lot of the front offices are old hockey guys. Right. And there's like a respect and there's like, you know, agree or disagree with it. It works a certain way. And I think it goes a long way to show players and show teams out there that you will respect like, Hey, Mark Giordano has been in this league for a long time, undrafted player, Calgary's entire career. We just took him away and put him on a last place team in the league while Calgary's in first place this year. And they owed it to him to basically be like, where, where do you want to go? And he's from the suburbs of Toronto. You know, he grew up a Maple Leafs fan. I thought it was outstanding that they were able to make a deal work. Um, honestly, I thought I would be most disappointed it didn't fetch a first round pick. What ended up disappointing me most is that we had to throw in Colin Blackwell. I know he's an upcoming free agent, but we all love Colin Blackwell. Yeah, I really love Colin Blackwell. And I thought that he had a really good chance of getting traded too uh, at the deadline. I didn't think it would be packaged with Mark Giordano. And I, I think what upsets me most now is I, I don't know what his actual value was here. You know, I can't, Yeah, I don't know how to separate between him and Gio, the two yeah. teams and the three. And like, was Colin Blackwell for a third? Was Colin Blackwell, did he get a second? I, I'm, I'd I'm take Blackwell as the third. I'd take Blackwell as the third and 24. It's two years out. Yeah. You know, with some thirteen-year-old kid somewhere. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> oh man! No, it's no. I'm just kidding. It, it's not that young, but it, it's it's to me. I I would that's how that's how I would assess it. Is Geo was two second rounders and Blackwell was a third rounder in two years. But uh, I never thought I'd see anybody that looked like the the actor Walton Goggins. But then Colin Blackwell with the helmet on, like, dude, it looks like if Walton Goggins was playing a hockey player. I'm telling you, it's it's just kind of a weird thing. I thought we'll, anyway, we'll get him out there in Goon Three and. <laughs> Anyway, um, the deal, yes, I, I think I can, you can be underwhelmed by itself, but when you saw how many moves he made, including the next one, like, I, it's like a, I feel like it's, this is, this is dumb and dumber. Like, people are looking at Ron Francis right after the GO, and they're, they're upset. And then the next news that breaks is Ron Francis has traded Jeremy Lazan for a second round draft pick. And totally redeems himself. <laughs> Dude, no kidding. I don't think, you know, I, I heard plenty of people saying they hoped that they would get rid of Lazan at the deadline because yeah, he's had his issues here. He's gotten better, but, you know, he planted his flag early on in the season, you know, and they've, yeah. the team has gotten worse. So his reputation hasn't had a chance to get much better. Uh, and I was kind of like, I don't think they'll trade him, but I think if they do and get a fifth round pick, I'll be happy. So to get a second round pick from Nashville, sold, done, great move, unreal, yeah. And just and, I mean, from Nashville side too, he he's a really young player and he's physical, and people like physical defensemen. Um, yeah, so like there's there's plenty of room to develop there. Yeah, he has a good shot and he's a good skater, yeah. like for his size and like 
you know, he needs to be better at decision-making. He needs to process things a little quicker, but that'll come with more experience. And sometimes it clicks for players and sometimes it doesn't. So he's just a player that needs to play enough and it'll either get better or he won't. So he's not, his, his future is still, is still quite, there's, there's a high ceiling on Jeremy Lazan. You know, we wish him all the best for sure. Like all jokes aside, um, it's easy to understand why he got a second rounder, but with the season he had had, I mean, Dan, we were together when we heard Lazan got traded, and in the couple minutes we waited to hear what it was, what were we talking about? Like, I we hope like, it's a oh, fifth. Must, yeah, I hope it's a seventh, fifth. sixth. I hope they get a fifth. <laughs> exactly. And I and like I was even thinking like maybe they could squeeze a fourth out of Nashville because of like all the things we talked about, the potential. Yeah. But I thought a second rounder for Lazan was an absolute uh, steal for Ron Francis and an A plus for win. me on that one. Absolutely. Um, and um, then. In the next trade was probably another one where a guy went to his team of choice, Mason Appleton back to Winnipeg for a fourth rounder. Yeah, how many? I that was guys... exactly right. <laughs> I thought so too. You know, I, I actually I wrote a trade deadline piece talking about it, and I I made it uh, a comparison to the goalie, Goldilocks and three bears. You know, mm-hmm. the Giordano was like, oh, and then Lozano was like, hey, and Appleton, yeah. Was like, yeah, 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 Appleton for a fourth. That's about right. How many yep. guys have gone back to the team we took them from now? So Vanacek went back Vanacek to Washington. Uh, Appleton went, went back to Winnipeg. Uh, the next one, Marcus Johansson, went back to the Capitals. Ah, oh, that's right. There it is. So he started there, played in a few other cities, and then came here. And now he is back to where he started in Washington, which uh, I'm sure he wanted to go to. I know he had said something about in an interview, like when we played there a couple weeks ago, he had, you know – was feeling a little nostalgic so i'm sure if uh, if francis did have conversations with any of these guys and said hey where would you want to go if it if it happens um i would venture to guess this is one of those trades that was that but this one is interesting to me because i do feel like it's a it's a it's a win for us and we got him for a fourth and a sixth rounder from washington which to me feels like i even thought just a fourth would have been fine for you yeah I, th- I was thinking the um, same getting thing. a sixth i thought was, was a plus getting an extra draft pick yeah then I see Daniel Sprong's name, and I was sort of I – was, I was very surprised because the Capitals are one of the few teams I follow a little more closely with TJ being on the team. Um, so yeah. I've watched them, and I've seen Daniel Sprong play, and every time he plays, my thought is, man, he's blocked behind Ovi for that power play time, and he's blocked behind TJ and Tom Wilson for those top six right wing minutes. Like, um, And when I read up on him, you know – the offensive grades on him are outstanding. All the analytics, like all the people yeah. that watch him, they say he's a high, he's, he's, he's a goal scorer. Um, mm-hmm. But defensively he needs, he, he needs work. And that seems to be, which I was so happy to hear. Cause good Lord, Dan, what do we need? What do we need? We need somebody who can score goals. Amen. So <laughs> the fact that we got someone that can score goals, like let's teach him how to play defense. Like let's get a goal scorer in here. And what does yeah. Daniel Sprong do in his very first game? He, he scores, scores a goal. goal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, yeah, no, uh, I'm with you, man. I thought Johansson would get a late-round pick, and two picks and Daniel Sprong, I was floored again. I was like, this is great. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I haven't watched Daniel Sprong, I think, as closely as, as you have. But, mm-hmm. man, watching him in that first game, I love him. I love mm-hmm. watching him play, dude. That guy's got a cannon. He mm-hmm. dropped a couple of one-timers on the on the second power play unit from, from the OV spot, really. And yep. I mean, he didn't score because I don't think he's got Ovi's accuracy yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but man, yeah. but dude, that guy's got a cannon and he loves to shoot yeah. the puck. He led the team in shots, yeah. took five shots. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a great ad. I love. He's like a right-handed uh, Ryan Donato. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like he struggles <laughs> defensively, but he's got a pretty good yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and he loves and he loves to use it. 
Um, he also looked, he looked, I don't know if it was, I don't know if they little jump for his first game. He looked fast to me. I don't remember him jumping out yeah. to me as someone that had that speed in Washington, but I didn't see him that often, but man, he, he looked fast to me, at least in that first game. We'll see how he progresses and uh, what kind of minutes he gets and where he ends yeah. up falling in the lineup. Cause they had him on the fourth line first game makes sense. Um, but they did, they put him on the second power play unit and he got a power play goal at the end of a power play, just off a rush, creating, just kind yeah. of being patient and creating a lane. So um, I'll be curious to see where he, where he settles in. But I think the interesting thing to me was that Washington hockey's a weird sport and like, where I feel like Washington can sense a player's blocked. They're not going to resign him. You know, they're not really doing him any favors. He's 25 at this point. It's kind of time for him to go get a shot somewhere. So I, I, I almost heard that they threw him in as an offer because we were like, hey, we, you know, we need we need to roster an NHL lineup. You got any guys you want to throw <laughs> we're in? Out of, we're out of players. And he was kind of a throw into the deal as in like, hey, it's just for 20 games. Let's see what happens with him. But, you know, so far for me, after one game so good, we'll be I'll be curious to see how he finishes the year. And I think uh, – it's kind of cool that they that they did that. Yeah, I think he was really excited to to get here. Honestly, you know, obviously yeah. leaving leaving a playoff team to come to a non playoff team probably kind of sucks in a lot of ways. But uh, I, I watched his interviews after after the trade, and dude, he seemed just like ready to go. He was like, "I'm mm-hmm. going to Arizona. I, you know, I'm excited to get on the ice." And he just and you can see that on the ice, he's had that extra jump, and he's just I think excited because he gets opportunity here. That's that's mm-hmm. something that the Kraken can offer more than a lot of other teams is opportunity. We don't have a firm top six, you know, anybody yeah. could could slot in as your first or second line winger. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> you get that chance here more than you would in most other cities. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, he's from the Netherlands and I saw people calling him the Flying yep. Dutchman online. So that's yep. uh, it's great. I mean. That's pretty cool. It's pretty um, good. Elite goal scoring number. We'll get there. We'll get there though. We get, we'll get to the numerology oh, yeah. at the end. But yeah. uh I don't think one the I, I hope he's not on the fourth line in the next game. Yeah, I hope right away next after well, now they it'll be interesting too, because now I heard they're staying in Southern California and they're gonna be, you know, they Tuesday to Saturday, they're gonna practice. They got three days. Oh nice. Like, and they're these are gonna be important, actually, like you know, it's almost like a little mini training camp practice. You're gonna get yeah. some lines together and try some different things. So I'll be very curious to see what the lineup looks like. Um because the way it looked in Arizona, it was interesting. Um, they mm-hmm. had Schwartz with and Everly with Wenberg still, but then they had Donato and Kuhlman playing with uh, with Yanni Gord, which I loved. I loved, they, by the way, because they, they traded both of Yanni Gord's wingers. Well, yeah, but I mean, I loved the I loved the the, the replacements. Yeah, like, they got no, Donato like back too. with Gord, and I loved Kuhlman slotting in there. I thought that was a, I thought that was I thought I think that's a great fit. Um, McCann playing with Geeky and Cole Lind. I would love to see McCann and Daniel Sprong play together. Um, I would love to see Daniel Sprong play with McCann or Yanni Gord. Definitely get on one of those two lines. Um, see, I, I think I'd put Sprong with, with Gord. I'd put him like Gordon Dotto or Gordon Kuhlman even. Yeah. 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 yeah, y- yeah. Yanni Gord's one of the better uh, setup guys. Yeah. You know? And I'd rather have a guy who can yeah, that's a good point. set him up and a guy who can shoot. Yeah. You know, speaking of setups, McCann set up geeky for that pretty, That's pretty true. goal at the end of the game, too. You know, McCann that was beautiful. He's uh, I think he's got that in him, too. I think he's got the all around playmaker ability in him. I think he just needs yeah. to get used to being in that role a little bit more, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, McCann, geeky, and Colin played together, and then Sprong and Donsko were playing with Shahan on the fourth line last night. So, um, one thing that Dan, you know, I was happy about, I love Marcus Johansson, but he couldn't play on the first power play unit last night. 
That's right. <laughs> you got to see Alex Wenberg out there, right? I got to see Alex Wenberg out there, and I saw a lot of zone entries. I saw a lot of zone time, and uh, I felt like it was a, a you know long way to go. It wasn't perfect by any stretch, but it was a step in the right direction for the for the special teams. Um, we saw Wenberg with McCann and Everly and Yanni Gordon that's done on the first unit, which I was a big fan of. That's a good, that's and a then, good first uh, unit. We, we talked about Spronger, uh, the flying Dutchman out there with Carson Soucy on the point, and then they had Schwartz, Geeky, and Donato up front. So, you know, I was happy with those power play units. Um, I'd be fine with them leading them just like that the rest of the season. I would, you know, those look, those look yeah. fine to me. I'm trying to think of something I would change, and I, no, I, that works for me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was good to see a little shakeup to the lines. It was good to see some different things. Um, Hayden Florian, Will Borgen out there playing together. Uh, playing hard was fun. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm excited to see see the see, see the team, all these guys fighting and fighting for whether it's a spot on this team or it's a team next year to uh, to see them play hard the rest of the way. Um, Absolutely, yeah. While well, oh, speaking of next year, uh, Daniel Sprong is a restricted free agent this year, so um, it's not as though this is his only year in Seattle. They, I, based on the one game sample size we have, I feel they would qual- give him a qualifying offer and would see him back here yeah. next year. Yeah, so. yeah, which is which is another interesting thing. Like, you know, you just know Washington probably didn't really want to give him a qualifying offer. It wasn't really just ready to. Yeah. So, um, there's I actually not another... a, there's actually not a ton of unrestricted I, free agents for next year. For they traded away almost all of them, which is which is awesome. Like that's what yeah. you want. Like take what you can get for an unrestricted free agent when you're in last okay. place, even if it like. Even if the deal looks like not as good as it was on the surface, like Geo, it's like you're you're you got to get what you can for that guy. You can either that or not trade him. So and then he um, plays the rest of the year, and you get nothing when he leaves. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, I think I think, but like going back to the reputation thing, like Ron Francis traded Vitek Vanacek back to Washington for a fourth round pick. I'm sure it's the only team he probably talked to. I wouldn't Didn't be surprised. He get, it's the I thought he got a second. He... Did he get a second? No, you're right. It's fourth. I'm wrong. He, he, uh, but, but I mean, I'm sure yeah. like, and that's one of those respect things that I talk about yeah. where it's just, it's just a little different in hockey, I feel like in that way. And so I feel like that earns him sort of, you know, I'm sure him and Washington's GM are on very good terms. And so I, I think that's quite a haul for Marcus Johansson personally, like, yeah. like a fourth and a sixth and Daniel Sprong as an RFA, I think is quite a return for the Marcus Johansson that I saw this year. So that's another A, that's just another A trade for me. Um, and then the last one, we traded future considerations, RIP to future considerations, for Victor Rask. Yeah, I, I believe Victor Rask was a, a Ron Francis draft pick back in the day in Carolina in like his first year. That sounds right. That yeah, sounds he definitely right. played in Carolina. Right. He's played almost 500 games in his career. He's a he's he's an NHL vet. Yeah. Uh, and he's been kind of in the AHL for Minnesota right now, so that seemed more like – Minnesota was saying, "Hey, he's he's an NHL player. We just don't have a spot for him." And Ron Francis was like, "Yeah, we'll put him in the lineup." I, mm-hmm. But of course, he's in Charlotte right now, so who knows? But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. There's not much to say about this one. We didn't give anything up, and we got a player who's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. So maybe he uh, comes in because we just are out of players to play. <laughs> we're we're yeah. running out of forwards. Yeah, we have no – our only healthy scratch at last game was Derek Pouliot, so we need another forward with the team. Yeah. So I'm sure he'll get called up. The, the trade deadline is kind of a weird deadline because when the deadline hits, all the players 
that are currently in the NHL roster, um, they aren't eligible for the AHL playoffs, or I think the remainder of the AHL season too. I think so. Yeah. So you need, so Victor Rasping on the AHL roster doesn't necessarily mean he'll be the rest of the year. It just means now he's eligible to play down there in the playoffs. If Charlotte makes the playoffs, which I think they, it looks like they're going to. So yeah. you just like Cole Lynn, they, they kept down there and called him after the deadline too. Like there's players that you, they waited until after the deadline passed to call up just to make them eligible. So I, I expect Victor Rasping to get called up and get some nice time. Um, and that would be 13 forwards and seven defensemen, and then they can, you know, rotate whoever they want to from there. So, um, although we did trade away six players, we do somehow still, now that we're healthy, Don Squay's back off IR. Yeah. We're able to, we're able to, we're able to run a lineup out there of NHL players. So don't, don't worry about that. Um, overall, just kind of give like, we talked about the overall picture because that was, that was each trade, you know, there was, you know, there was, I thought more good than bad, but, uh, but for as much as, you know, grief as Francis got for the geo trade, I thought that was really the only one you could look at and say, like, eh, I felt like he could have got more. I feel like all the other ones, it'd be, it's kind of hard to say, like, could he have gotten more than he did on any of the other ones? I I wouldn't really say he could. Uh, yeah. So, 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 so overall, we traded away Callie Arncroke, Mark Giordano, Colin Blackwell, Jeremy Lazan, Mason Appleton, Marcus Johansson, and future considerations. So all in all, six players, four forwards, two defensemen shipped out. We acquired three second-round draft picks and a fourth-round draft pick in this upcoming draft, a second, third, fourth, and sixth-round draft pick in the following draft, and a third and a seventh in the, the draft after that. So 10 draft picks, and then we also got Daniel Sprong and Victor Rask. So, Dan, yes. what, what, what grade are you giving Ron Francis and company in their first trade deadline for, for that, for what we gave up and what we got in return. Uh, I'm, I'm giving them an A, honestly. I don't think, you know, obviously the geo is the one is like you said, the mm-hmm. one maybe downer spot, but he traded away more players than I expected. I'm not mad about any of them leaving. I'm a little like, I sad to see some of them go. Like I love Colin Blackwell, but uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, I also don't think he was getting at least not earlier in the, the ice time he should have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they're all going to be unrestricted free agents, except Lazan and Appleton, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And Appleton just wasn't really producing like we'd hoped. I thought he could have mm-hmm. been a breakout candidate and he didn't really have that breakout season. So, you know, go back to Winnipeg and Lazan had his season and got a second rounder. I'm, I, yeah, I give him an A, no notes. It was good. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to make qualifying offers to Appleton or Lazan, so I was fine shipping them out, and all the other ones were UFAs, and it's like, hey, unless you're going to sign them right now and you want them as part of your core, yeah. which, I mean, yeah, Blackwell was fun, but he's the only one I might have wanted. Yarncroke, too, maybe I could have wanted yeah. to keep, but at the end of the day, I can totally respect getting what they got out of them. Uh, I would I would go with a B-plus just for the simple fact that we didn't get like a prospect or a first rounder from Toronto for Geo. I know we kind of forced it with yes. them. Yeah, that's true. But I guess just because Geo was a perfect game of B plus, which is don't get me wrong, I'm kind of I'm kind of nitpicking because I do think overall as time passed, it's not like it's a bad it's a bad deal. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think he did a great job. I think Francis did a great job. I know for a lot of people were upset that the expanded draft they expected more activity like we saw at the deadline, and I think Francis did a good job of being patient. Yeah, Vegas struck gold. They sure did, but obviously, the, like 
I don't think our roster was that as bad on paper as our record, but the chemistry just didn't mesh. It just didn't go yeah. well, whether it's the coaching, whether it's the strategy, whether it's the players fitting in, whether there's whatever reason, it just wasn't working. So I'm glad that he was just like, well, then let's ship out a third of the roster and let's figure out what can work going into next year and fill in, fill in the blanks and at least try and take a step in the right direction next year and set ourselves up for, you know, being serious like contenders in the long haul in three to five years is kind of where I see it heading. Yeah, because there's clearly no sense in running back with all the same players next year because it did not work at all this year, you know? Exactly. So, there's no sense in going to re-signing all those UFAs. Shake up the roster, you know, keep your core together. And I think he's very – he's established his core now, uh, yeah. his core forward and defense group. I heard there was a report today, I think, from Elliot Friedman that a lot of teams – a lot of teams called about Carson Soucy and were very interested in Carson Soucy and that Seattle still didn't – trade him and i'm i'm very glad he immediately scores two goals next game yeah, so that means that means they must that look means, at that that, yeah. that top four for them is alexiak larson dunn and susie right now which i think they would love yeah. to roll with next year and then maybe add another another quality defenseman to sort of push them for the top yeah. four minutes but i think they're happy with that top four right now the rest of the way out and i am curious to see how it plays out i, I i'm excited to see those guys go yeah i think that's a great top four i'm i'm i didn't think susie was going to be that in the in the core of the defenseman and i think he definitely is now it's a didn't move him at the mm-hmm. deadline and uh i'm i'm happy about it i like watching him play he's pretty good solid defensively and had a breakout offensive year this year he's scoring nine goals career high he is fifth on the team in goals <laughs> oh that's kind of depressing he's tied for fifth with brandon tanev <laughs> nine goals Oof. anyway yeah, Carson anyway. Susie's had a great year, and it's been uh, it's been a blast to watch. And so I'm glad that they want to keep him around because I yeah I like the player too. And uh, we were all kind of a little worried that somebody might cough up a lot because he's had a good year and he's yeah. not costing too much money. But and he's um, big. Yeah, and it's another one that's confusing to me. Why early in the season he wasn't playing more, but I'm glad now he'll be forced to be a top four defenseman and a second power yeah. player guy because I think he's he's gonna he's gonna thrive. So um, what to what surprised you most of the deadline? Surprise. Um, like cracking wise. Probably just the sheer number of trades, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think I said, I think after the Lazan or maybe it was the Appleton one, I said, oh, they're probably done. I think it was after the Lazan one. I said, mm-hmm. I, my gut feeling is they're done. And then and you know, 10, minutes later, the, <laughs> 10 minutes later, the Appleton trade drops and then Mark yeah. Johansson and uh, – so yeah, I was just I was expecting all to have this whole list of names that might go and to have a handling three or four of them actually go. Just so, so to see six guys get moved for quite a haul. Um yeah, that was my biggest surprise. What about you? What surprised you the most? Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good one is how many how many there were. I think honestly, just just the fact that he got a second rounder for Lazon. I just think that's <laughs> yeah. just just how Lazon's played this year and he you know, for as much as we kind of we 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 talked him up earlier, but like you know, he struggled and yeah. he kind of has struggled his whole career in the NHL so far. He's he 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 shows his he he has his moments where he looks like man, that guy is tough to play against. But overall, you know, he's very inconsistent and he's usually good for a couple dumb plays a game, and those can be the difference in wins and losses. So, um, just getting a second rounder from a team like Nashville, who don't get me wrong. They're a perennial playoff team with, you know, they, 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 they do a good, great job there of, of, of getting to the playoffs every year, but 
they could easily be a team that barely gets in. And that second round pick could be in the middle of the second round, you know? And yeah. I, I think that that's, that's just, I think that's an extremely high value for Jeremy was on. So I, uh, I would say that surprised me the most because I was hoping he'd get moved. I wasn't sure if he would. I thought I might give him a qualifying offer. I don't know how France felt about him. So I was not happy. He not only got traded, but for a second round pick, that's what surprised me the most. Yeah. He was actually originally drafted in the, the back half of the second round. And okay. So to me, I'm thinking, has he done enough to, to, to has he increased his value? I would say if anything, it may have gone down, yeah. but apparently yeah. to NH to the Nashville Predators. No, he's he is exactly where he should be. Yeah. Um, you know, I, one more, I think one Nashville. More, oh yeah, go ahead. Last thing I'll say about Jeremy is on though is Nashville, I think is a great fit for him because Nashville just yeah. produces, it produces quality defensemen, like nobody else's business. Like they, 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 they do a great job. They're taking guys that you've never heard of and turning them into great defensemen. And they've had to ship a lot out just because they, they, they get, they get too many. They have to make trades sometimes, you know, but it's not just the Roman Yossi's. They got Matias Ekholm, you know, they've got a lot of guys. Ryan Ellis has been, they've, they've done a lot of guy a lot of work with a lot of guys. So I think it's a good fit for Jeremy Lazon and a good place for him to take the next step in his career. Um, what, yeah. Good what point. were you going to say? Uh, one more surprise for me was the, the lack of prospects coming back to Seattle, you know, just. Yeah. For all the guys. Daniel Strong is really the only player. Victor Rask. And he's in his too, but 20s. Wasn't really much of anything, but yeah, Daniel Sprong is the only real player. No, no, like AHL guys, you know? Yeah. Just nothing. All, all picks. No projects. That surprised no, me too. No, nothing like that. Like we got Derek Pouliot as well. We didn't mention him. We got Derek Pouliot, but he was well, off he waivers. Was we claimed waiver waivers. Claim, yeah. But either way, we uh, we added him to our roster, and he's a former number eight overall pick. He's played a couple hundred games. He just kind of never yeah. has lived up to his billing. But he's been an NHL player, you know, third pair defenseman with some offensive yeah. upside. Um, we'll see him for sure. I uh, what it tells me though, what it signals to me is they obviously valued you know draft capital the most, which means they want to build this team with their scouting department. Like they want to yeah. put it together. Like they don't want to take other people's like eh, it didn't work here. Maybe you can make work with him. Like sure. We'll take a flyer here and there just to fill out our roster for now, but they are going to be patient with this thing. Um, and they want to build it their way and get their guys. And I think getting as much draft capital as possible is the smartest way to do that. You got to take as many yeah. bites at the apple as you can, because, you know, you're bound to hit on a few of them and, you know, you get a couple foundational pieces in and hopefully Matt Benears is our first um Riker Evans is our second, and you know we go from there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ron Francis did come out and say that he doesn't envision every draft pick they have being used at the draft. He he says he thinks some of them will be traded for veteran players, for players that can help them win now. Um, yeah. So who's to say how many he's talking about? But you know, I I guess I'm not saying don't expect them to pick what 12 players in this upcoming draft How many? yeah 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 right so yeah they could you know we'll they see could trade they, up for a guy they, they could be creative trade back for a guy yeah 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 they could yeah, just they trade have, someone before of... the draft for a player you yeah know? they got four second round picks yeah they have lots of options another yeah. thing that's different about the nhl too is like the there there are trades that happen at the draft for like some big name players like big name yeah. players will move at the draft for four picks like are involved in teams trading up and down. So yeah, I could see us, you know, looking to add some places like that. Cause he, he also, you know, Ron Francis is saying he wants to be better next year. He expected them to, yeah. get, he, he didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't expect to be at the bottom of the league this year and he doesn't expect to be there next year. So I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset. Has all this trap capital. If he uses a little, the team for yeah. the short term, I wouldn't be upset about that at all. 
And yeah, I obviously not like trade all the picks you know, for players immediately, yeah, but um, yeah. a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to see them just like you don't want to be the Jaguars. You don't want to be playing for right. Trevor Lawrence on purpose. You know, we don't want we don't want to be in that situation. Yeah. Uh, do you see Dan? So between I mentioned Yarn Croak, Giordano, Blackwell, Lazan, Appleton, Johansson. So Appleton and Lazan are RFAs, so they would take qualifying offers. So they're probably mm-hmm. not likely. But between Yarn Croak, Giordano, Blackwell, or Johansson, do you see any of them re-signing with the Kraken in the offseason, coming back to Seattle? Ooh, interesting. Um, I not Geo. I don't think not right? Geo. No, not Geo. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, I'd roll. I'd roll I, him out. I don't think Yarn Croak. I feel like there's. I, I feel like he'll have plenty of interest in the league. You know, and mm-hmm. he's been around for a while. I feel like he would go maybe back to Nashville or resign in Calgary. Um. Johansson and Blackwell. Uh, Johansson, we signed like late in the summer, and I think it was because not a lot of teams were interested in him. So honestly, like if nobody's interested, like if people are like, ah, if Washington doesn't want to re-sign him, maybe he just wants a chance to play on a top line again because he can play. He gets first line minutes here apparently. Uh, Blackwell, yeah, maybe I'm being hopeful, but I think <laughs> Blackwell could because again, the thing we offer is opportunity, and if he's in Toronto playing on the fourth line or something. And he goes, hey, you know, remember when I played with Yanni Gord and, you know, we did really good and we scored a bunch of shorthanded goals. Let's do that again. So that depends, I guess, on his interest around the league, too. Um, yeah. So I, I I guess Blackwell is the most likely to me, but I also think that's I'm very biased because I want it to be Blackwell. <laughs> I would agree with you there, Dan. I want yeah. to see Blackwell, but I don't think it is Blackwell. I remember we signed Marcus Johansson late too. We signed him like yeah, yeah. as training camp was happening. Um, so I reluctantly think if anybody was going to resign, it would be Johansson for the reason you just said. Just if nobody else resigned, if just he didn't get an offer, you yeah. know, he's getting to that yeah. age where you know he's getting year by year contracts. You know, he's just going to retire when you're go back. You know, and he could go back and play in Europe. A lot of the European guys go finish their careers in Europe. So he could do that any given year too, where he just decides it's not worth it to play on a team that might be struggling, even if it is first line minutes. But I think it probably is Johansson for those reasons. Um, I don't think Yarncroke will. I think Yarncroke will probably, I feel like he's going to choose somebody new unless he wants to stay in Calgary with his buddies, which is also probably an option. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's probably done with Nashville because he's been there. I, it's an, so I would expect Yarncroke to either go Calgary or a new team. Um I would think Blackwell. I think there'll be a few teams interested, and he'll 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 pick a new opportunity. That's just what my gut okay. tells me. I think Johansson um, right. would be, if any of them, the the most likely guy. But but ultimately, I don't see any of them actually signing back here. I don't think. We'll yeah. be, I, I don't think. Well, I I think realistically, I just think it's kind of a fun thing to talk about because te- it could happen, and it's always know. fun to think about how you could be you could like get something for somebody and get them right back. Um, yeah. If, yeah, if I I'll had be to bet on it, I would agree with you and say that none of them are back next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, around the league, it wasn't just the trade deadline in Seattle. We had to make the trade for the teams, and the other teams were sure were active. Um, I want to get to the big one first. So Ben Chirot went to Florida. That was It was an overpay, yeah. but they needed a top defenseman, and they, they did what they had to do because they're ready to win a Stanley Cup this year. They also got Claude Giroux. Dude, the rich get richer is like I saw somebody spell right it. Here. C L A W E D Claude yeah. Giroux. And I was like, yeah, that's great. So good. Um, yeah. 
Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Dude, I'm, I'm feeling great about my pick for the Panthers winning the Stanley Cup before the season started. You did pick the Florida Panthers. Dude, they got a great forward group, and they added Claude Giroux to it. So um, yeah. it's wild to me that they were able to go out and do that. So good for them, man. The East is tough. There's a lot of good teams, especially in the Atlantic, right? So yeah, it's not going to be – they got to take down the Lightning. So, yeah. you know, I – I'm dying to see a, a Tampa Bay, Florida series in the playoffs, even more so Eastern than I was last year. Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be must see this year. They're pretty much already oh, set. Yeah. Um, not like the matchups, but the eight teams that are in it are pretty much set. Uh, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Rangers, and Washington in the Metropolitan. They're 13 points up on the, you know, Washington is on Columbus in the next spot. Florida, Toronto, Tampa, and Boston in the Atlantic. And there's a 24 point gap there. So, I mean, yeah. The playoff it's teams all but are set, the matchups are not, but man, any of those eight teams could win and get to the finals, which just is exactly what you want to see come playoff time. Yeah. It's going to be an absolute blast to watch. And Florida, Florida did make a statement with that with, with that trade. Um, and if anybody wants to bet about the geo trade, just look at what Flo- what Philly got in return for Claude Giroux. They yeah, got Owen like a- Tippett, who is. I mean, I'd rather have Daniel Sprong than Owen Tippett. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like maybe he'll turn maybe he'll turn into something. I know he was really, but he's kind of been a bust so far. And Philly had to throw a bunch of stuff in. Yeah, I, that that to me was another one where it was like you said, hockey's weird, and they they're just trying to do right by the player. Claude Giroux picked said he wanted to go to Florida, and so Philly did what they had to do to get him to his landing spot because he gave him like a decade of fantastic hockey players or captain like they kind they owed it to him to be like sure. where do you want to go you want to go to florida we'll make it happen and so they did for and sure. the return was underwhelming for flyers fans for a reason and that's for you're, sure you're right I, that's that's what we should be comparing the geo trade to yeah and when you look at it that way then you know good job by ron francis to get two seconds and a third even if he didn't have to throw colin blackwell in you know yeah um so another big trade that kind of surprised people, Hampus Lindholm went to Boston and they gave up a first round pick. They gave up a, a haul, but then they yeah. immediately signed him to an eight year, six and a half million dollar average uh, contract. So it made a trade like that will make more sense in a sense where you get approval usually, but when in a situation like that, you get a the trade gets approved and you say, but there's like a stipulation. We want to talk to the player. We'll only make this trade and give you all this return. if We can negotiate a contract extension and then you get permission to negotiate a contract with the agent which is clearly what happened here. Yeah. So Boston valued Hampus Lindholm where they wanted to make him a part of their, their core for the future. So they gave up a lot for him. A lot of people thought it was an overpay, but it was almost a sense of getting a chance to sign him ahead of his free agency, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. They paid a lot, but it wasn't, it's not just a rental. He's their future on the blue line. Now. Exactly. Exactly. They want him back there with McAvoy to go solidify their, their top four. So yeah. Hampus Lindholm to Boston was a big one to add to the East. And then we saw we saw the flower move. He left Chicago. Nobody wanted yes. to see him there in the first place. So Mark Andre Fleury right. went to Minnesota, which I think is fantastic. What a what a fun! I think it's gonna be a fun thing to follow Mark Andre Fleury in Minnesota. Yeah, I I didn't expect Minnesota to be the ones to get him. You know, that came out of nowhere about, to me. Yeah, talk about Toronto needing a goaltender and, and whatnot, uh, or Edmonton if they do actually make the playoffs, which they should. Uh, Minnesota, I guess, you know, Cam Talbot, I thought it was having a pretty good year, wasn't he? Maybe I haven't followed him close enough, but I mean, maybe it's just because I don't think, didn't think too highly of Cam Talbot going into the year, but uh, to Minnesota, yeah. apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so there you go. But yeah, they made a splash. They went for Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, you're right. It'll be a lot of fun to watch him there. I kind of hope he keeps the, uh, he's got the brown, pads, just like right? the solid brown pads. 
yeah. I think those they looked really cool in the in the Blackhawks jerseys. I think they'll look pretty good in Minnesota too. I I thought they look even better. He's already worn them there, and they look even better. So I don't have that too yet because they got the off white with their jersey, so it looks even yeah. better. Um, the only difference is there's like a little bit of on the trim. There's a little bit around the edge of black and red. But Minnesota has red. He just needs to change that black to dark green, and he literally can keep the exact same setup. So um, I, I'm with you. I hope he, I hope he does as well. But I'll be very excited to see to see Flower in Minnesota and and their playoff run. Um, yeah. They're turning into one of those perennial playoff teams with different players every year. They just always seem to have a playoff caliber team. So yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun one to follow for me. I was kind of hoping he might go back to Pittsburgh, but Jari's played too good. Um, I thought Washington would be interesting just because the whole rivalry and the history um, that he had with them. But it sounded like yeah. he didn't want to go there anyway. So um, another one, Ricard Raquel. Uh, That's a big Ricky, one. R- Ricky Raquel from Anaheim. He's a he's a goal scorer and a half man. That guy can that guy can put the puck in the net like yeah with the, with the best of them. He got traded to Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh again, just finding a way to man Crosby. Crosby yeah. just always seems to find a way to get himself some players around him. And this is another one that's really gonna, this is really gonna help them. Yeah. The Penguins, the Penguins had are for years now have saying that like they have Crosby and Malkin. So they're doing whatever they can to maximize this window while those guys are still kicking and those guys are still good. So, you know what? They made yeah. a big move for Raquel uh, in a, a pretty wide open. It's, it's a tough Eastern Conference, but it's wide open, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're all really yeah. good teams. So, um yeah good move for pittsburgh yeah big time a lot of these trades that i was talking about i think we've andre Fleury to minnesota is the only western commerce one we've even talked about uh next one yeah. max domi another eastern commerce one max domi went to carolina um yep. the blue jackets shipped him off in his contract year so that's another you know he signed a contract too right didn't did they he? extend him i think they extended him to like an eight-year contract Oh, I think you're right. I think he did sign a big one, didn't he? Yeah. So, so that's... that's a big one. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Carolina, that's a that's a move for the future, which is, let's see here. Or no, they haven't, at least not officially assigned him to anything. I'm wrong on that one. Um, I didn't remember that. I have. No, I swear I, swear I saw it somewhere. Maybe it was a fake tweet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe I got Mr. Gotten... Boost. Yeah, maybe you got, bre- you got bread manned. That's um, right. No, but yeah, so, Carolina. So back so many Carolina, though. That's another another quality forward to add to a quality team. So, like I said, yeah. East playoffs do not miss them this year, folks. Like the East playoffs are going to be must see for sure. Every series, Eastern Conference is on. I'm going to have to make sure I'm home from work by four o'clock every day to get these things. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> um, uh, the Rangers didn't necessarily get anybody huge, but they added Andrew Cop, uh, Justin Braun, and Tyler Mott. Um, Andrew Cop's having a great was having a great year. Uh, in Winnipeg, right? He's in Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah Winnipeg. He's having a great year there. Um, but yeah, I know he he didn't he was going to get resigned by Winnipeg and the Rangers. The Rangers are winning games, but they're 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 playing with they're playing with fire because they're they're really riding Igor Shesterkin into a lot of these wins. He sort of regressed a little bit, and so is the team in the last couple of weeks. So uh, they they probably uh, they need to address some things, and I think they they did a decent job. Um, Justin yeah. Braun's a quality defenseman. Tyler Mott's a quality defensive forward. Andrew Krop's a quality two-way forward. So I think they did a good job of just sort of helping Trying out for their, their upcoming playoff. Take push. some pressure off of Shesterkin, I think. Yeah. Right? Get a little more yeah. defense there. So, Dan, I, I heard an interesting thing. I wanted your thoughts on this. I, 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 I've I learned that I'm kind of with you on the on the, on the the hating the plus-minus because it's a dumb stat. Okay. But I heard somebody say 
Justin Braun was plus three on Philadelphia and their goal differential was like negative 52 or something. That's shocking. And if that's true, I'm like, well, that's impressive then, right? I mean, the goal differential right now is negative 61, so that would be about right, negative 50 something. But I heard he was like plus three and I was like, man, I mean, that's impressive. impressive. <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? That's maybe plus minus in the uh in because the extremes the is, can be impressive like, like 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 it can be impressive if like like if you're just like the opposite way if you're on a team that has like a plus 100 goal differential and you're somehow a negative player like yeah. right yeah. yeah so you know maybe there's there's certain cases but i just like i heard that and i was like that seems impossible to be a plus player in philadelphia because we don't have any plus players <laughs> oh, you're right yeah he was i'm looking it up right now he's a plus three in philadelphia this year so hold in on. So over a thousand in twelve hundred minutes on ice. Twenty minutes. All right, a night. so I'm wrong. So we have we have some plus players. You know who leads our plus minus with plus eleven? Oh, hang on. I'm not gonna look it up. Let me take a guess. Yeah, Is it... I want you to take a guess. Carson Susie. It is Carson Susie. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and our, our goal differential is negative sixty, and he is plus eleven. Wow. Shout out to Carson Susie, man. We have one other defenseman that is a plus. Do you know? Do you, do you think you can hit that one? One other defenseman who's a plus. Uh, I'm gonna say it's uh, Alexiak. Yeah, dude, good job. Plus oh five. yeah, plus five. Mm. They're our top two. Uh, Brandon Tanev. Brandon Tanev was plus four in his thirty games. Uh, Daniel Sprong is plus one in one game. <laughs> oh, oh no! Riley, Riley Shahan is plus four. Riley Shayan. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, good for him. Anyway, we we don't need to look at plus minus too much. I just thought that was kind of. I just thought that was no. kind of a. I thought I thought that was that was just an interesting thing to hear. Like you know, yeah. um, there can be maybe some extremes you can show some certain certain outliers, but I'm sure the analytics will back up those numbers anyway. Um, yeah. Arturi Lekkinen went to went to Colorado from Montreal. Um, Colorado yeah. didn't need to necessarily do too much. Maybe address a little bit of you know, they probably don't want to overpay yeah. for goaltending. They got Campbell, done. who's been. Yeah, goalie maybe, but uh, Lekkonen's a really good defensive forward. Like, yeah, really good two-way yeah. guy. So, yeah, you know, maybe that in a way does address some goaltending. <laughs> yeah, you know, they didn't. It's not worth it for them to give a bunch of capital for a goalie. It's just not worth it. So I get it. Yeah, they got a good enough team. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, hopefully, they can just play play a good team defense. And then, interesting one to me was Jake DeBrusque, who requested a trade. It seems like forever ago, like when the season, like yeah. early in the season. Boston said they would work with him on it, and it seems like they just kind of were blowing smoke, and they were like, "Let's let's 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 give him a chance again." It seemed like he like it seemed like what his trade request did was gave Boston like a man. We need to give this guy a look in our top six again, and he has thrived. And he signed a two year extension for for a four million dollar average, which is a very tradable contract. Um, yeah, I mean anybody in the league will take a look, like a good or bad team. Like that's worth it for a team like the Kraken. You know, just take a look at him. It's worth it for a contender that thinks they can use him. So there's. Anybody can trade for him in the offseason, um, but he's definitely going to help them, I think, on their playoff run this year. But the Jake DeBrus situation is just kind of interesting because I don't know if I expect him to get moved in the summer now. Maybe how the season plays out will help determine that. I'm sure it'll, it will, but um, that was an interesting story to me on, on the deadline day. Yeah, that was unexpected, but it does. You're, you're right. It's very tradable, and I could easily see him being moved right after the season's over, you know? Yeah. And so. he was an RFA, so this avoids that whole thing because then he'll be yeah. a UFA at the end of that contract. So it just avoids the whole no just offer, it a little easier no qualifying offer. Into. It could have gotten messy with him. It, it you know, 
it, it kind of gives him the benefit of the doubt. And maybe it will work with him to facilitate a trade in his agent if they get a pool of teams interested. So um, but just an interesting situation. Now, speaking of interesting situations. Yes. You know, I know our record is what it is. At least be proud that, you know, Ron Francis is a stand-up guy. <laughs> he does good business. And we, we've, we've talked a lot on this episode about like reputation and hockey and old school, like, and all these weird kind of respect things. Our, 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 our Vegas Golden Knights counterparts had a trade voided by the league. <laughs> Dude, this was honestly a bad look for the, for everyone involved, really. Everyone the, involved. The, the player I feel bad for. Dan, you, you yeah. explain what happened. Okay, so this is, I feel like there's a lot of backstory here. If, if you're lot. unfamiliar, Vegas is right up against the salary cap, you know, because they're so good. So they decided to just let's go all in for let's every year Eichel. of our existence. They trade for Jack Eichel. They don't have the salary cap room for him, but he was on uh, what's called long term injured reserve or LTIR. And a player on that is expected to miss at least 10 games or like a month's worth of, of games. Um, and they go on that and then they don't really count it against your salary cap. So in that way, you're kind of allowed to go over the cap. Um, so they were with that, with Jack Eichel. Uh, shortly before he got back, Mark Stone, their star forward, got put placed on a, a long-term injury reserve with a back injury. So now his $9 million cap, it kind of comes off. And Jack Eichel's $10 million cap, it, you know, is, 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 can get back into the lineup. Um, Tampa Bay got accused of, you know, using, you know, uh, the LTIR and uh, weaponizing that rule last year when Kucherov missed the entire yeah. season and came back for playoffs because you can be over the cap in the playoffs, <laughs> yeah. which is crazy. Uh, but anyways, yeah. so Vegas has all these cap troubles. Uh, Mark Stone's getting healthier, and they have another guy, Alec Martinez, a defenseman on LTIR who's coming back soon too. Uh, they don't have the room to activate those guys, so they tried to trade Evgeny Dadnov to the Anaheim Ducks. Dadnov has $5 million cap hit. He's not been producing all that well this year. So they also added a second round pick that they sent to, to the Ducks. The Ducks sent back like two retired guys, basically, whose contracts are still on the books. Yeah. Um, and they put the trade call in. The league initially approved it, but then it was discovered that Dadanov has a no trade clause from the deal he signed with the Ottawa Senators. And in that no trade clause, he can list 10 teams that he can't be traded to. And the Anaheim Ducks are on that list. Vegas claims to have never seen that list. Um, he did submit it to Ottawa before he was traded to Vegas. So Vegas wasn't on the list. Uh, Ottawa was supposed to send the list to Vegas. So it's very unclear right now whether Ottawa failed to give the list to Vegas, whether Vegas just failed to look at it, whether they looked at it and ignored it, you know, or... Something happened there, but the league voided the trade. And they said, I'm sorry, but he has a no trade clause where he says, I'm not going to play for the Ducks. So you can't do this. So now Vegas is stuck with Dadnov's $5 million cap hit. They trade deadline has passed. They can still make trades, but if they do, he's not eligible to play in any more games this year, regular season or playoffs, which makes, which means if they threw a second round pick in, to ship him off at the deadline, they're going to have to throw in more than that to get someone to take him on and not when he can't even play. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's the long and short of it. It's a bizarre situation. I've never seen anything like this. Um, 
I don't think any like Vegas does not look good here, and the Senators do not look that good here potentially too. If they, it depends if they, like, on what it depends on what the truth yeah. is on if Ottawa's guilty. We, sure. Vegas we still don't really know for what sure happened. looks bad. Yeah, because the, the the big and, and so Vegas also has Alec Martinez on LTIR right now. Yeah, he's a four million dollar cap hit, and they're like within like four hundred thousand dollars of the cap right now, so they have zero yeah. room to bring these two guys off. Also, technically, you can't just stash guys there. They have to be injured. So if they can come back and play, they're supposed to come back. So there's a whole – Vegas looks bad on a lot of friends here. Because Mark's only been playing with an injured back. And, I yeah. mean, if you're over the age of, like, 25, you know, like, you know, you have an injured back, too, if you played sports ever in your life or if you just, you know, like, lifted a couch before. Like, we all have an injured back. So it's one of those things. Like, I'm not, like, doubting it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure it's one of those things that he's probably working on rehabbing and it's a tough thing to play through. But it is it is just it's just not a good look for Vegas in this whole scenario because even if Ottawa failed to submit this on your roster, if you're if you're facilitating a trade, you, you it's 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 normal to be working with the agent and the agent to be in contact for all these discussions. Mm-hmm. So either Evgeny Dadinov also has the worst agent in the world who's not like, wait a minute, you're about to trade him to a team on his no <laughs> trade list. Yeah. Like Fair. then Vegas should at least, you know, they're, they're dropping the ball somewhere along the line. Yeah. Also what looks bad to me is I've heard conflicting reports. I've heard Vegas didn't get the list from Ottawa. I've also heard they, they, they were told he did not submit his 10 team list by the deadline. Because if you yeah. have a modified no trade clause, which the type he had, you have to submit your list by a certain date in the off season. It's like June 30th or July 1st. I think it's July 1st. Um, yeah. And so I saw a report saying Vegas was under the impression he did not submit his list on time or he did not submit it. Therefore, there was no team on his no trade list this year. And that that's two different reports to me because I'm like, that that tells me, oh, so, so, so you were aware that he had a no trade clause. He just didn't put anybody on it this year. And, you know, we talked about the Kraken being generous and working with the players on where they want to go. And this is like, Something doesn't add up to me here. Like no. they're like literally trading him to a team on his no trade list, and it's if because even if you know, I don't know. It just seems it just seems sh- it's obviously shady somewhere along the line. Whether it's Ottawa, Vegas, both of them, somewhere in between. I feel the worst for the player. Now he's stuck yeah. on a team that tried to move him with Dude. with capital to basically for nothing to basically because Vegas was also training for like you said expiring contracts that they could put on LTIR because the guys are retired and so they don't count against the cap fit so it's yeah. just cap relief now the player's got to come back he just wants to play hockey he's doing his best like he didn't ask Ottawa to overpay him like I would feel bad for him in a situation like <laughs> yeah if right? I ever made like if I ever made the NHL someone offered five million dollars I'd take it and everyone would get super mad because I wouldn't be worth it but like like dude I'm not gonna what say you no gonna do? say no I'm not worth that like <laughs> so I feel bad for dad and I'm in this situation. I don't think Anaheim did anything wrong, but between Ottawa and Vegas, something's got to get cleared up and there should be some sort of penalties. If it's just some simple like miscommunication, I could see it just being fines. But if Vegas gets caught sort of trying to strong arm dad and or slip something through shady like yeah. that, like you, we could see some traffic's getting lost and some heavy fines. Yeah, man. Uh, I wouldn't put it past the Vegas front office just trying to do some shady shit. So it just seems uh, it just seems shady. It's, it's just it's, shady. It really does. And yeah, so bringing Stone and Martinez off LTIR, they they are reco- the rules say that they have to once they're like healthy enough to play. And I, but I don't know who 
makes that call, you know? Is it well, is there a I don't know what's Martinez's injury? Do you know what Martinez's injury is? I think it's also a back injury, if I'm not mistaken. Because that's the thing, is like a back injury is like that's yeah. impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. What's it's just it's just you're just you know what I mean? Like you're just it's just back pain. So that's that's the workaround. That's the workaround. Yeah, yeah to me, you know? so to me, it seems like that's not going to come into play because I feel like they'll be able to find a doctor somewhere who says, yeah, you can't play yet. Yeah. You know, for as long as we, like, that was the thing about Kucherov last year is like, didn't he play in the first playoff game? It was like the first or second playoff so. game he played. Yeah. And yeah. so that was the thing everyone was mad about was he had hip surgery and don't get me wrong. That takes a what's a long recovery, but everyone's like, how does that perfectly line up where he doesn't play in an 82 game season? And then as soon as the playoffs start, or it was a shortened season or whatever, but as soon as yeah. the playoffs start, he's, you know, you know, that's why people were upset yeah. about this whole circumventing the cap thing. Cause I also don't understand why you don't have to be cap compliant in the playoffs. I don't understand why that's, I don't know. But anyway, it's a, it's an interesting thing to follow. The, the, the funniest thing about it all is everyone <coughs> thinks Vegas is setting themselves up to serve. They were just trying to set themselves up to circumvent the cap for this year's playoff run and then figure it out in the off season. But now they're currently sitting a point out of the playoffs and they can't bring back Mark Stone and Alec Martinez without moving somebody. And now they're just like in this whole debacle where dude, and Jack Eichel's a great player and Jack Eichel's playing just fine. But also like he's still kind of, he was gone for over a season. He's still working his way back. He's not just ready to come back and lead your team and be the star player. Like he's going to need, that doesn't just come back. He's going to need, he's going to get better with every game, but he could use some help. So it's just kind of funny. Vegas is just... They're in it right. Yeah. They're going through it right now. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, they were. To, I, they were totally counting on getting Mark Stone back for the playoffs when they don't have to worry about the cap, and they need Mark Stone to get to the playoffs. Is the problem? Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, the uh, Kraken have won three wild. out of four. We're yep. we're Ron Francis is doing a terrific job down here. We're sitting at the bottom right. of the standings, just laughing. So, I got a question for you. Yeah. Should Should the Kraken trade for Dadenov? You know. I am curious if we trade for dad enough, we better get, I would expect like a geo, like tall, like two second rounders and a third rounder. I expect a first or a first. I think, I think if they're willing, I mean, so they're willing to give or up a honestly, to, like, before the deadline. If there's one thing Vegas has been willing to ship out, it's actual prospects. I mean, they traded Nick Suzuki to Montreal, maybe even like an actual prospect, like a like a real yeah. NHL player that is ready to be in the NHL next year. You know what I mean? Like somebody like that with them. Like we'll take Dadanov and a player. Just like they, you know, they they swindled the league for the expansion draft. This is their yeah. karma. Like they Riley Smith and Jonathan <laughs> Marjasol, we we take Dadanov. We also take two prospects off your hands, you know? Like yes. Um, if we get dad enough, I would expect a very good return. Let's just say that because it's just a contract we're going to try and move in the off season. The poor guy won't be able to play this year if he does get traded. Yeah. Um, There's no incentive for to him. take to, to help the Knights out. They're going to have to yeah. add a lot of incentive. So my initial thought is like, don't help them. Like just let them live in yeah. this hell. Yeah, yeah. But like there's, there's a price where I'd be like, oh, do that. Exactly. Yeah, like, right? like, 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 I don't, I don't want to bail them out, but at the same time, like, yeah, that's, that's the thing is like, if we do, I, but we better be getting a ton in return. So right. I would, if you're Vegas, you got to be calling the bottom feeding teams in the East right now. Um, you know, like we yeah. said, there's eight teams in the playoffs, which means there's eight teams out of the playoffs. So you want to start by going cross conference. Cause that's usually a lot of better luck with a trade like that. So, you know, Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal, Columbus, Islanders, Philly, New Jersey, um, see if any of those teams be willing to make a deal with you is where you're going to be looking right now. But yeah. man, you know, oh, yeah. us, or, us or Arizona or Chicago too, or the other ones that you would look at out here. So I don't, I'm somebody who follows Vegas closer might know, but moving Dadnoff still not enough to activate stone. 
off yeah, of LTIR. Exactly. So I don't understand so like, what the next move. I'm trying to figure out what else they can move. So here's an idea. They send Dadanov and Max Pacioretty to Seattle. <laughs> See, there you go. Now you're talking. See, he's got a $7 million dollar cap. It, so that frees up. That should free up plenty of space for them. Now you're talking. They, I don't know if they can get Martinez and Stonoff for even that, but uh, but yeah, there you go. That's a real a real player who's under yeah. contract next year too. Anyway, so yeah, let's get weird. We'll we'll see what they do. They're gonna have to get creative if they want to activate those players like for the before the playoffs because yeah. like their plan that they that they just wanted to wait is not gonna work if they can't make the no. playoffs. Like I'm sure, I'm sure right now they'll have a you know they'll have a come to Jesus meeting. They'll get the players together. They'll 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 play a couple of games and try and get the ship righted. Like, hey, the world's against us. Let's go get get our get our shit together. And if they can, you know, Dad and I was gonna have some motivation to play well. Like, yeah. If they can go win a couple of games, get themselves in a playoff position, I think they're gonna try and. If I were Vegas, I would hold. I would go with the back injury story for Martinez and Stone because that's just what you're allowed to do and what the league does. And just try and sneak and try and sneak into the playoffs, knowing those two players are coming back for your playoff run. Yeah, I think that's all they can do, really. God, it feels <laughs> dirty though. What a what a lame way it to like. Sucks. Uh, it just sucks. It's just so dirty. Overall, so hopefully, bro, I think they'll miss the playoffs, and we'll yeah be happy with that too. I can't wait till we sweep them when they come here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> all right. Oh man, that was that was all the NHL news. Those are the big. Those are the big trade deadline stories. We didn't we didn't go over all the trades. There's lots of trades, but sure, like, plenty. What we've are... learned, if this is your first trade deadline to go through, is the NHL is the funnest trade deadline by far. It's not like the NFL. It's it's even more active though than the MLB and NBA usually. This is the normal. It's wild. It just you get a lot of trades, stuff going on. Trades happen a lot around the deadline, so it was fun to be to be a big part of this year. Yep, and to to accumulate so much stuff, dude. I five picks in the second round this year. Yeah, for Seattle is going to be wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see what we do with them. We got Riker Evans our second round pick last year. I can't wait to see what we find this year. That's right. <sighs> All right. Well, we've been at this for a long time, but before we yeah. go, Jeremy, do you have anything you just you just really need to get off your chest? Yeah, <laughs> you know, really even though the Kraken have played well, and even though they won this game, like something drove me. I was so upset watching the Montreal game. So we played so like we played a good game. We battled. It was, you know, overtime. We could have got scored a couple times, but Gru Bauer got pissed and just played so well. And then he keeps making saves and then it goes past three shooters and nobody scored. And Riley Shahan gets off the bench <laughs> to come in on a shootout. And we text each other at the same time. Like we both like received message at the same time. Like, what is he doing? Like we'd only had like I think who had went McCann. It was so long ago, I can't remember. Oh, um, who even shot? Donato shot. Donato, always Donato, because he's a great guy. Donato McCann, and then uh, I don't know who else went, but I mean, there's still Everly, Wenberg, Schwartz off the top of my head. Like, there's so many guys that could have gone. Yanni Gord. Um, I would have sent Gio or Susie or Alexiak. Like, I would have sent so <laughs> many people before I sent Riley Shane out there, and he went fourth. And then he proceeded to fall over on his deke and not even get a shot off. Which is just what I expected. It's the exact <laughs> result I expected. Like, exactly what happened. And I, I was for sure Montreal was going to score on their next shooter and we were going to miss and we were going to lose the game. So I was glad we were going second. Um, so I at least knew that like it wasn't the end of the game if he didn't score. Yeah. That made it easier to like still have some hope. But I got to tell you, Dan, 
Dave Hackstall needs to get off my lawn this week with that <laughs> choice of Riley. You can run him out there on the penalty kill and as your fourth line center. That's fine. Like I can live with that. You cannot run him out there as the fourth shooter in the shootout. He is at least double digit rounds. At least double digit rounds. Am I right or wrong this week, Dan? Oh my God, you're absolutely right. You're okay, wrong about God. plenty of things, but dude, that thank God is like shocking. It, it's one thing if the Kraken had like struggled in shootout. Maybe they're like oh and seven in shootouts or something yeah. this year. They only had two. We haven't had like, enough to know yet. We yeah. don't even know if we're good at shootouts yet. And so like, sometimes you just seem to shake things up. But I'm just like, what? Uh, no, like I don't want to disrespect Riley Shane. I'm sorry. You're you're a fine penalty killer, man. Yeah, but I don't think he thinks he should be. The fourth, he's the fourth best shootout guy on the team. Yeah, that's that was unreal, and the result was just exactly what anyone expected. You know, falling over before he can make Zeke. So I think, well, I think yeah. it was Donskoy was scratched that game. I think Donskoy was scratched yes, that game. He was injured. That he's game. been our shootout wizard with only two goals this season. <laughs> two for two. I feel like he was trying to create recapture because Shahan also has two goals this season. So he was uh, like, oh, okay. just put out the guy at the four that doesn't score because that's what works. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Um, I was just happy. I, I, we ended up winning. I was able to laugh about it, you know? Yeah. But at the time, I was furious, man. I was like, dude, this game has been too good and too much fun to watch for it to end like that. And Grubauer's playing oh. too good in the in overtime in the shootout. Yeah. And luckily, Grubauer just decided he wasn't going to let anybody score and it didn't matter because – yeah man see when i saw yeah. shayhan get out there i just did not i just i just my, my jaw hit the floor i could not believe what i was seeing he said he seems like a great dude he's in yeah. a lot of the videos for the team and he seems like a really good dude like he's also mm-hmm. like a like an nhl pro he's an nhl veteran he is like a he's honestly he's like a nate thompson kind of player like he sure. really is like he really totally adds value to an nhl team and he could be on the stanley cup winning team as the fourth line center like but for where we're at for where our franchise is at right now, it just doesn't make sense to me why he just is so vital on Hacksaw strategy. So we tend to we tend to pick on him, but I do feel bad sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad too. Do you remember watching a shootout that went six rounds without a single goal? No, dude, but it was really intense. It was. <laughs> and it was awesome to go second and then get the goal to win. It's always nice to go yeah. second when you when you when you get the win in the shootout, like and it's on a goal instead of a save. Like um Although, I don't know. I love a good goalie selling. The only time you get a good goalie selling is on a yeah. save and a shootout win. That's like when you get, but, uh, but Marcus, Marcus Johansson, uh, it was able to, to get the finish in that one. And that was a uh, set, set the Kraken on to win three of the next four. So it ended up working out. So had stock and save, but just for this year. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, coming what do we got coming up, Dan? Coming up next, coming we got up. Uh, a, a little road trip. Two games against the Kings in LA back to back, so that's it's interesting. Followed by another back to back at home against Vegas. So uh, they're going with the baseball series type, style schedule here at the end of the year for apparently these next four games, which is unusual, yeah. but should be fun. The Kings are in playoff position. Second, aren't they? they're yeah. second in the in the Pacific right now. Yeah, so that's not going to be an easy one. Easy too. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. They, I heard they talked about they're going to be more open to this after the pandemic scheduling because last year they played it like baseball series, two or three yeah. games, or sometimes even four in one city at a time, um, just to avoid travel. Uh, and they talked about being more open to doing that in certain situations. Um, you don't really play many teams more than three or four times, so it's not like there's many options. So it is interesting that though we've gone this whole year without it happening, and now it's going to happen back to back. 
Yeah. Back to back games, back to back. Like at LA with a day off in between both games. And then same thing at home against Vegas twice in a row with a day off in between both games. Um, So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Um, I'm curious to see what kind of lineup Vegas has for us. If they make a trade before that, or if they're still in the same boat, Um, it would be fun. if we trade for Dadanov, let's do it before that series because he, you know, he's going to light them up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if Vegas does hold where they are, then let's bury them so they just really screw themselves yes. and don't even make the playoffs. And then Mark Stone doesn't get, just doesn't play again this year, and it's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, I'll be curious to see how we do in LA because they are they're a little ahead of schedule. They're playing yeah. really well this year. We kind of talked to the preseason about one of those California teams maybe taking a step forward. And Anaheim looked like they were going to be that team earlier, but they've sort of fallen off and the Kings have come on stronger and stronger as the years Mm -hmm. gone on. Yeah. They've had, they they had one of the best prospect pools in the league for, for a couple of years now. So eventually that works its way into the NHL lineup and starts to work. And you know what? The Kraken have a whole lot of draft capital. So hopefully we got one of the best prospect pools in the league here pretty soon uh, and work our way up to, to the top of the Pacific there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can use all this, all this draft capital piling up. Yeah. Um, we also, with with new players, comes new numbers. Oh, right. We have thoughts. We always have thoughts on numbers. So I mentioned earlier, yeah. Daniel Sprong. Hey, this is interesting. Initially, initially, for a brief amount of time, he was showing as number ten on the website. Which, if if you know, Matty he wore, he wore worn, in Washington. He wore in Washington. He wore in the minors too, I believe. Daniel Sprong did. Um, and Matty Beneers also wears number 10 at Michigan and where it has worn it at World Juniors and at the Olympics has worn that same number 10. So the number Daniel Sprong ended up in uniform in is number 91, which is just such an elite goal scoring number. Oh, I've, man. I've, I've, I've made the switch from 9 to 91 in beer league myself, so I'm partial. Um, I've always been nine, but after joining some new teams with nine taken, I had to find a new one in 91s where I settled after my my childhood I, a, a hero, Sergei Fedorov. Um, but Daniel Sprong, 91, and scores a goal immediately, looks looks faster in it. Um, Dan, I love this pick by him. I think it immediately puts him in the top six and in contention for the number one power play uh, ice time. What are your thoughts? I'm I'm with you, man. That's a that's a goal scorer's <laughs> number five ever seen one. So I know it. Good good choice. I am dying <laughs> to know how he landed on this though. Like I I would kill to know it did did they tell him please don't pick ten because Maddie Beneers is going to come at the end of this year in all likelihood, right? Yeah, it's interesting that they did but that like, because they it's always it's always veteran, right? It's always who's been in the NHL the longest, regardless of like how high you're picked. Even I feel like so yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know who, whose decision it was and I'm dying to know. I think what it tells me is that not only have, like, it tells me that that decision has, like, this is already, this discussion's already happened and the decision's already been made between Ron Francis or whoever and Matty Beneers. Like, he's already, like, he was number two overall pick and maybe it's one of the first things you ask them is like, what number do you want? Like yeah, if you maybe. come this season, what number should we have available? If you come at the end of your college season, maybe that was talked about before the season and number 10 was set aside. You know what I mean? And like, maybe that's something that like the, like the, the room just understands. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious myself. I'm very curious myself right? because he's also, he's an RFA. So it could have been just like veneers. Like there's plenty of times called like kids come up in the NHL and wear a different number their first season or two. And yeah. they sort of settle into yeah, one true. later. Like you see, you see lots of that. Like Jared McCann was 91, I think in Vancouver. Um, yeah, 
Oh, yeah, I, he's... I just saw a highlight package of Claude Giroux's career in Philadelphia, and his first game he's wearing like fifty-eight. Exactly. So yeah, I did. I I did think it was interesting that yeah, they seem to like really be trying to roll out the red carpet treatment from Eddie Benares because it does seem to me like it says like the somehow that discussion was had, and yeah. I don't know how that goes over because I'm with you. It's always been sort of veteran things, so hopefully it doesn't. I'm sure it's nothing, you, you know. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, man, like I don't know, people are weird about their numbers, you know. So yeah, but Strong uh, has Gale worn Strong different numbers too. Yeah, yeah, he I has worn different ones. He's worn okay. like eleven before and other things. Okay. So yeah, well, so it's not like he's been attached to him forever. He looked great in ninety-one. We support it. We didn't uh, see it, but Derek Pouliot is listed at number fifty-one. What are your? He's a defenseman. What are your thoughts on yeah. uh, Derek Pouliot uh, fifty-one? Fifty-one is definitely not a forward number. As a defenseman, it's. I don't mind it. I think it's all right. Like, yeah, it, it seems seems big, like like mm. a big strong defenseman to me. See, it seems offensive to me. Interesting. <laughs> See, because I think of uh, I don't know why, but I feel like uh, like if you're number fifty one, I feel like you should be able to you should be able to score some goals. You should be able you should yeah. provide some offense from the back end. Well, I guess we'll see. Because oh, by the way, Hayden Flurry left the game early. Against oh Arizona. yeah, that was a bummer. So I haven't heard any updates on him yet. I don't yeah, think but was, I don't think it was serious, but then again, like he didn't play at all in the third period. Yeah, so I yeah, would yeah. I would he expect to see Derek Pulio, uh, yeah, in the in the next game in the game against LA. Yeah, either way, either way, he'll definitely play. Yeah, like there's still seven defensemen they're going to rotate through, so and injuries will happen. So yeah, he'll he'll definitely play. So yeah, I would expect him, especially playing two teams in a row back to back, it's a good time to switch the lineup up in between those two games. So. Um, I expect to see Pouliot out there, um, and I hope Daniel Sprong moves himself up with the fourth line and we get him some top six minutes and give him a good look and give him some consideration for the team moving forward. Absolutely, especially when, while he's wearing 91. Damn right. All right, uh, last number of the day. This was episode 35. So Number 35. Again, number 35, shout out Joey Decord. You got some favorite uh, all-time number 35s? I mean, Kevin Durant, baby. One season in Seattle, he wore number 35. He's worn lots of different numbers because he's been on lots of different teams. But uh, the year he was a Supersonic, he wore number 35. So um, I also, according to the Baseball Almanac, I was curious because I couldn't remember off the top of my head any Mariners. Mm -hmm. Baseball Almanac had Ricky Henderson for his 92 games as a Mariner wore number 35. Really? Because I think he was 24 and I think... You, you can't do oh, that. You, you, can't, can't, you can't do that in Seattle. No. So is it that? So so that's just a not a favorite, but more of a fun fact about number 35. Uh hockey-wise, it's hard for me because they're goalies. And I just, you know, I like to score goals. So I'm not like I don't think of myself as a fan <laughs> of really any goalie. Like I don't think of myself of like just anti-goalie just goaltender slander like, here on this, this podcast. Is, I yes. do not support him in this. <laughs> this is this is all me on this one, but I guess. <laughs> Do you remember J.S. Jaguar on the Ducks? Gene Strauss, oh, yeah. and Jaguar. Yeah. I remember he he didn't he he won the Conn Smythe when his team lost in the in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yes, I think he was the last losing player so to win it, and one of the very few to do it. It was a seven game series against New Jersey, and like he had like insane stats, and New Jersey won like every game two to nothing or one to nothing or two to one. And elite and, elite uh, name too, Jean Sebastian Jaguar. Yeah, so he's one I'd like to I'd like I'd like to shout out. What about you, Dan? Any 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 goal? Since I've slandered oh, yeah. him, what it's, you, it's you, you 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 talk him up now? It's definitely all goalies, right? Thirty five is a terrible player number. Uh, Tony Esposito is one, and then Mike Richter is the one that uh, that I remember. Yeah, I have, I have the strongest memory of. So um, yeah, 
but yeah, no, I think a J.S. Shiger for me is is the one that, yeah, he's the man. Yeah, dude, he was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thank you again for listening to episode 35. Like and subscribe, do all that good stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Take another crack at it. Go cracking. <laughs>